Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So now we're in this, this last part of that kind of declaration of what is a lasting impact? Like, What does it mean for me to really make an impact for it to mean something and for it to last a while? Like, my wife likes to brag that she's a better driver than me because I've been in more car wrecks. I don't know if that's because I'm a typical male. You know, like when I was a teenager, I liked to speed everywhere. I didn't believe in red lights, okay? Teenagers don't do that. Make sure you follow the law, okay? Like, be a careful driver. But now she makes fun of me because I'm a grandpa driver. Like, she's like, would you speed up? And I'm like, no, babe. The the speed limit's 45, we're going 45. (laughs) And she gets her so irritated. She is so mad. But I realized something in some of those wrecks. There's some lasting impact when you get in a wreck. You take two forces and they hit each other, there's going to be some marks left over. Like I've got some cuts and bruises and like some, some aggravated, you know, things that happened. I remember my first wreck, I got in a wreck in a Mazda 626. There's no airbags in this car. It was one of those older schools, you know. My knee went into the dashboard, like the fire medics show up and everything. They're checking me out, and I'm like so in an adrenaline rush. They're like, sir, you need to sit down. I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm trying to check on the other people. And they're like, sir, no, your leg is bleeding everywhere. Like, you need to sit down. We need to check you out. That was a lasting impact on my life. Not to mention the fact that I got grounded all of that summer because I was at the wrong place. I told my parents I was going somewhere. I went somewhere else, okay? Like, there was a lasting impact that I had to pay for my consequences, right? Like, I made an action, now you got to pay for it. And so there was a lot of repercussions to that. But here's what we're defining impact as for our situation for this house. Impact is an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. An encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. We see, we come in contact with people all day long, right? If your statistics hold up true. You know, I'm a big statistic kind of person. I love math. Okay. I'm almost a kid. Like when first grade, I was doing long division because I liked math so much. I was bored of adding and subtracting. Just a nerd. Okay. Y'all, y'all just bear with me. But for me to have something that's life changing, it's got to make an impact. And so statistics will tell you that most people will come in contact with at least a thousand people new every week. New people that you have a chance to make an impact. Now, There's another part of this, though. It's not your job to make an impact in every single person's life that you meet. You will burn yourself out, okay? That's why we use the Holy Spirit to use those God connections, right? You got to be intently listening, knowing where his mark is setting you, your assignment for that day. So how do I make an impact, though? You know, we've talked about a lot of... uh, scriptural or a lot of support things, but like we want to really bring this home, bring it into an area of practicality. Like you ever been to class and they teach you all this information and you're like, okay, now how do I use that in the real world? I have so many people tell me all the time, like, yeah, I took all those math classes, but they don't have anything to do with real life. And I'm like, they do. You just don't realize it. There's so many mathematical equations that you're like, we just take for granted what they are because we don't realize that they're going on all the time. Like most of us don't need to know how to get the most efficient parking spots out of our parking lot if we needed to pave it and paint lines. 
But if you're the business paying for it, you're like, hey, I'm paying for that. I want the most. You go do the math on it. Figure out where I can get the most parking spaces. Right? Like those are practical real world applications. Like I took trigonometry. I took calculus. I was really mad my senior year. They invented a whole new class called practical math. Literally, they were taking like engineering level math equations. I was like, man, I wanted to take that class because I'm a nerd. Okay. I wasn't worried about all the little, little like side, you know, I wanted, I didn't take home ec. I didn't take, you know, all those other things. But I wanted to know the practicality of it. And I think the same thing is true as Christians is we don't know the practical methods to make an impact. It's all just head knowledge. It's great and it's wonderful. Like, hey, I know how to do that in theory. Like, that's me, that's me, my brother, and my dad's, like, favorite phrase when we're working on something. Hey, is that going to work? In theory, it should. Sounds like a good idea. Well, we'll see. You know, I don't know. We'll have to try it out. So, last week, Pastor Rife talked about this verse right here. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. This is Matthew 9, 35-36. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the whole center basis of making an impact is you got to have compassion first, right? Like you got to have the desire to want to impact somebody. You'll find this out anytime you're dealing with students. They'll see a fake a mile away. You can come up to them and say anything in the world you want, but if you don't actually mean it, they'll be like, whatever, man. I don't care nothing about you. Like, I, I do not dress the hippest or coolest or whatever the phrase is nowadays, like the lingo, the, the verbiage, the vernacular language of youth students, 12 to 18 years old, has completely changed from when I was in high school. And it has drastically changed since most of you were in high school, right? Like, completely. They use words that I have no clue about. Just in gaming, they're like, man, he's so sweaty. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Sweaty. He's like, how can you see him on the other side of your game? No, man, that means he's really good at the game. Like, okay, I don't know why you say that, but whatever. But I'm sure there was things that we said that made no sense to the generation before, and so on and so forth. See, this, this vernacular that we have to get accustomed to is, is we want to be able to make a compassion statement to where we are impacting people's lives, right? And we have to approach people in the areas and the situations that they're in. Like, what I say to one person may not work to another to make an impact. We've got to get to know them. We've got to really dive into their lives, and that's part of that compassion. When you're real with someone, you really care about what they're interested in. You really care about what they want to hear, what they need, right, to make a lasting impact. Here was that phrase from last week that we defined in, with compassion. It says, every positive impact we make will be born out of compassion. It's impossible to make a positive impact on someone's life if you don't have compassion. You can, you can try, and you can make a little effort, you can do these different things, but when you really have true compassion, you really care about someone, you're going to make so much more of an impact. My wife tells me this all the time. We'll be doing something, and she's like, I can tell you're not interested in this. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to put the face on, you know, trying to be the good husband, and she's like, it's fine, just, just don't, you know? And there's sometimes you, you do, you compromise, you do different things, right? But she can tell, because she knows me. Like, she knows me better than most people, probably better than anyone. So let's, let's jump into that source text here. Let me pull it up on my end. I love technology, except for when it doesn't want to work for me. So Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. 
He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. So we already know off the bat, Zacchaeus is rich. Not just rich, he's very rich. He is like taking everybody's money. Like they say, hey, go get two denarii. He's collecting four. He tried to get he, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now, I don't know why, but my mind immediately pictures John Fuentes. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, that's our appointed Zacchaeus for the story, okay? You'll see him. He's a shorter, you know, and we love him, okay? I love John, me and him just about different stuff, and so I can, it's okay for me to pick on him. But just imagine, you know, you've got like John Fuentes, Zacchaeus, and he's like, I know Jesus is coming, but I can't see him. I know he's there. So this is what he does. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Let's stop right there for just a second. There's two things I notice in this text, okay? Sometimes people, we look at them and we see their shortcomings, but we're not willing to help them out. We're like, if you, you, could, you would do so much better. I just wish you would do this or that or whatever but we don't ever want to like help them. We're just like, judge, 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 sorry. Stinks to be you. I wish you would do this. I wish you would do that. You know, I wish you would do more for God. And we don't want to help them. Then you get the flip side of that. This is where, where we talked about last week. Jesus kind of talks to the church a little different than he talks to the people outside, right? He's a little more gentle usually with people outside in the church. He's a little more harsh. You got that next verse says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. When we have things in our life, that we know we need Jesus for, why are we blaming it on something that we already know we have an issue with instead of trying to fix it? He knew he was short. He knew he couldn't see past the crowd. So what does he do? He says, y'all get out of my way. I know there's a sycamore tree right there. I can climb and I can see Jesus and Jesus will be able to see me. When you get in the perception view of Christ and he can see you back, your life begins to change. You begin to make impact. So let's go on. It says, when Jesus came by, he looks up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus! He said, quick, come on down. I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Old church people always displeased when Jesus is doing something that he ain't supposed to. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, though... Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. Zacchaeus has a life-altering impact day. And what are the church people doing? can't believe he's over there with Zacchaeus and those sinners, scum of the earth. That's what the church people are doing. Zacchaeus is like, ooh, come on, Jesus, let's go. I'm throwing out my money. You know, he's just making it rain. Like, Jesus, I'll, anybody I did wrong, I'm going to throw some money back out at him. He's very rich. He can do that. So many times we get caught up in our Christian mindsets of where we're supposed to be that we forget the life-altering change that happened at salvation. If people knew all the stuff that I was as a sinner, come on now. Y'all wouldn't want to be around me. You'd be like, you did what? 
You acted like that. You looked at that. You were in that place. Because we were all sinners. But by the grace of God, we were saved. Zacchaeus is so ecstatic that Jesus is going to come to his house. You see, Jesus had compassion on him. He sees him pass, and he's like, oh, look, there's Zacchaeus. And instead of just being like, all right, have fun, Zacchaeus, he looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Come on, let's go. I'm sure he had a whole bunch of other stuff to do that day. Sure, Jesus had some other places that the church people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other you know, religious leaders were like, this is what Jesus should do. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I need some time with Zacchaeus. I want some specific time with Zacchaeus. See, when we're talking about lasting impact, we're relating this to the five love languages. And you're like, okay, that's kind of weird. I don't know about that. But really, those love languages are how we connect to people, right? Like, if you've ever read the book, The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, and I suggest everyone read it, it'll show you just how to be a better love to your spouse, your mate, to your children, to the world, really, to just be an influencer and an impactor. Because everybody operates in basically these five major groups, okay? And the one we're going to focus on today is quality time. Quality time is so important. Another statistic for you, because I'm a statistic dude. I was reading this up. They interviewed a thousand different people about their love languages. You know what number one was? By 38%, quality time. Quality time, 38% of people say is their most important love language. The most important thing that impacts their life is when people spend quality time with them. So what is quality time, though? I think all of us kind of have this loose definition in our mind of, like, quality time. I know sometimes I think I'm doing really good at quality time, and I may not be. So let's define it. Quality time. Time spent in giving one's undivided attention to another in order to strengthen a relationship. All the men in the house, okay? All the kings, how many of you struggle with undivided attention? Okay? I got a thousand tasks. I got a whole bunch of other things that I'm worried about. And my wife, if I'm watching TV, you might as well not be talking to me. That's just, I mean, just honestly, that's just how I operate. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'm a man and I'm visually wired, but she can come in, she can say something, she can leave the room, come back, and I could have even subconsciously responded, and she's like, did you not hear me say that? And I'm like, nope, never heard it. It went in one ear. I responded literally through my mouth and out the other, and I never had a clue because I didn't give her my undivided attention. I told her, babe, if you're going to do stuff, this is what you need. You need to start with my name, okay, because that, that gets me. I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody said my name. Let me focus down. And you need to make sure I'm looking at you. Make eye contact, right? Like if I'm not looking at you, I'm probably not listening. You don't have my undivided attention. It's just the truth of the matter. We've got to be in undivided attention if it's really considered quality time. So many times we're like, I'm going to make an impact for somebody. And we're like, yeah, yeah, hey, okay, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're thinking about, man, what am I eat for lunch today? Hmm, you know, I hadn't had sushi in a while. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm getting me one of those big old shakalaka rolls from Oishi. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? They've said a whole conversation. They spilled their entire heart out to you, and you don't have a clue. And they're waiting on you to respond somehow. And you're too caught up in our own world that we haven't spent undivided attention on them for quality time, that we've missed an opportunity for impact. Or how about this one? 
Quality time is an expression referring to how an individual proactively interacts with another while they are together, regardless of the duration. We're proactively interacting. We're, we're looking for opportunities to interact, not reactively, okay? There's a lot of times, okay, that my wife is expecting certain things, and I know it. Like during our conversation, she's wanting this or that, wanting that, and I'm proactively looking for those specific opportunities for me to say something or do something because I know that that's one of her love languages. Hey, if I can spend quality time with her and interact at the right times, okay? Sometimes I need to be quiet and listen to her, and sometimes I need to be proactively looking so that I can interact with her. Those are what quality time are. It's those undivided attention. It's those moments of looking for it. So here's how I want to kind of sum this into Jesus, okay? Because we all want to, we strive to be like Jesus, right? That's how we're going to make an impact. Jesus made one of the biggest, if not the biggest, he's definitely making the biggest impact in history. I mean, right? Like he divides time, you know, BC, okay? And I know they teach BCE in school now, but it's BC. It's before Christ, okay? We want to be that impact like Christ. So here's what it is. To spend quality time with Jesus is to spend quality time with the lost, See, there was times the disciples got drawn in and they were close to Jesus. And there's times when we have services and it's meant for the church, right? Like, hey, we're going to build ourselves up. We're going to encourage ourselves. We're going to have a service. I mean, that's what we do right here. But Jesus was like, all right, we've had enough of that. I'm going out there. I'm reaching the lost. He even commissioned the disciples to go out, right? He says, if you're going to make quality time with me, then you've got to meet me where I'm going. The Holy Spirit is out of these walls too, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up right here in this, these four walls and that's it. And when we leave here, he's just staying here. The Holy Spirit is out there with us every single where that we go. And so he's, he's operating just like Jesus did. He's going to the places that others don't want to go to make an impact. He's operating in those things. Maybe you don't believe me. Maybe you're like, all right, you've got one case in point here, Pastor Wesley. That's pretty good, you know. you got one scripture, okay, but you got to have more than one in Scripture. It's kind of like having two witnesses. Two witnesses testify of something, you're more believable, right? How about this in Mark 2, 16 through 17? It says, But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they asked his disciples. So here he is again, eating with them sinners and tax collectors. Telling y'all, Jesus was in some bad places. Some rough, you know? It says, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. Now, I don't go to the doctor very often, but I know this. When you go to the doctor, there's sick people there. Unless you're getting a health checkup, the only reason you're there is something is wrong, Right? Like, they see you on some of your worst days. Like, I got some green fungus growing between my toes, and I need you to tell me what's going on. You got green fungus between your toes. Go see a doctor, please, okay? Get some antifungal cream, something, okay? But they, they're there for the sick, right? They're there for those situations. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, look, look. Y'all got it going on over here, okay? You think, you think you're all righteous, okay? And if you're operating in that, then yeah, now it's your time to be like a doctor. It's your time to be like Jesus 
for us to help the sick. Because here's the thing, most people outside of the walls that are sinners, they're not going to admit that they got something going on wrong. They're not the ones that are going to drive by this building and just be like, hmm, I think I need to walk inside and go to the altar and get prayed for. just doesn't happen that way most of the time. Can it? Yeah, it can. I've seen it happen. Heck, I've been in a church service one time where the person was drunk, ran to the side of the building and came in and we prayed over them. I mean, that ain't something you want to see because you got an insurance claim and all that stuff going on. But it's like, hey, if this is what it takes, come on. We're going to get somebody saved. The healthy people don't need the doctor. The sick do. But here's the thing about a doctor. Yeah, I've been to the doctor. And I've been to several different doctors. I don't know. I'm not going to name names or any of that stuff. But like, you ever been into a doctor and they come in and you're like trying to explain them? Like what's going on? And they're like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yep, you got this. It's like they didn't really spend much time checking you out. They just prescribe you something right off the bat. And they're like, I right, send you on your way. Come back in two weeks if that doesn't work. And you got other guys that are like, all right, let me see. They got this stethoscope, and they're, they're checking you out. Breathe in, breathe out. Do this, bend over, touch. Let me see. Let me check your tonsils. Let me do. They spent the quality time, the research and investment in you to really narrow down exactly what's going on. That's what we're supposed to be when we go outside these walls. That we're supposed to have an impact in the way that we come up to people and we're like, hey, hey, come on, let's spend some time together. What you got going on? Connect with them in whatever area it is. There are certain things that I can't connect with people to save my life, okay? It's just not going to happen. And there's other things It's like, boom, I'm on board, let's go. And sometimes you got to dig a little deeper so you can find one of those connection points, right? Because everybody's got something I can connect with. I mean, we were all born. Congratulations. Okay? You all won the race. Say you never won anything, you did. You beat the odds out of the millions and millions and billions, okay? (laughs) You're a winner. But we can connect at different levels, right? Different socioeconomic levels, different this, that, whatever it may be. I've been through this terrible thing or that thing or I've had this kind of celebration or this has happened or I work in this field, okay? We connect in those different areas and that's when the compassion starts to kick in. When we begin to give them our undivided attention and we proactively look for those opportunities, we see where we can connect, Think about this one for a second. In John chapter 4, we don't have the scripture for this, but it's a pretty common story we all know. John chapter 4, it talks about the woman at the well. Jesus has come with the disciples, and it says that he had to make his way through Samaria. Now, I've done the research. Where he was going and where he needed to go, he could pass, pass through Samaria, but typically a Jew would go out of his way not to go through Samaria because Samarians were considered dogs beneath me a lesser race, a lesser people, a lesser whatever, okay? They were like the scum. They didn't want to be around them. They're like, you stink. I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. Hey, that's what their perception of Sumerians was. He says, no, 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 we're going to go through. And he stops at a well. He sends the disciples off to town to get food because they've been traveling. He's tired. They walked everywhere, okay? And so he's hungry. But I have an inkling in my spirit that he knew that there was an appointment for him that day. So the woman comes to the well and he says, hey, draw me some water. She says, well, you don't have a bucket. This is a really deep well. You need a bucket and you need some long rope. He's like, no, 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 no. I can give you some water that's everlasting, that'll never run out. See, it was a simple thing that she needed water at that time and he could make the connection that he was the everlasting water for her life. 
It doesn't have to be some profound thing all the time. When you see something you can make a connection with, you begin to basically kind of work your way into someone's life. And some people are easier than others. I have a brother. I love him. He's awesome, okay? He's a, he's a great person. He's a good person. He does good, but he's not saved. He's a professed agnostic, okay? But I spend quality time with him because he's my brother. I don't shun him. I don't shun his beliefs. You know, if he asks me directly, yeah, I'll tell him, hey, I don't believe that or don't agree with that. And he's been raised in church. It's crazy. We were all raised exactly the same, me, my brother, and my sister, raised in the same church, vastly wild, you know, lifestyles and beliefs and all that different stuff. But my quality time with him breaks down so many barriers that he sees in the church. He's like, I would never enter the house of worship or a church, he said, but I'll have conversations with you because I've built that repertoire, not just because we're brothers, but because I spend quality time with him, that I have an impact on his life. So here's four ways, four ways that Jesus spent quality time in order to make an impact. Number one, he set time aside. Jesus was always proactively looking for the time slots that he could make an impact. He's like, where can I take my time and be useful? You'll realize, like, it's insane to me when I think about this. Like, I'm going to be 35 next month. Jesus' ministry was limited to essentially a three-year time period. Three years. And he made a historic mark, an impact in three years. But it got me thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, why would he spend 30 years hidden? Doesn't make much sense to me, just in the natural. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, I know about these things called icebergs. Y'all know about icebergs? Okay. Y'all know the Titanic, why it sank? Hit the iceberg, okay. Pretty common history, right, for the United States. You realize there's usually typically around 90% of an iceberg that's hidden underwater. And that icebergs actually form from the bottom up when they're floating in the Arctic waters. Not from the top down, but from the ice cold water up. See, Jesus was hidden for the first 90% of his life so that he could make an impact in the 10%. He did that, and he shows us a revelation. You see, we're talking about impact and quality time with others, but if you don't have a quality relationship with God first, that 90% that's hidden, you will never make quality time impact with people outside of these doors. But when you're hidden in him and you've got that 90% of time that's just lost in him, just soaking in him, that you've just built up and built up and built up, the little part that people see on the outside of, hey, that's a Christian right there, they don't realize there's 90% more that's going to impact them. They're like, oh, I can let that little bit in. It's not going to change me much. We talk about the devil being a deceiver. I think God's a little tricky sometimes. He's like, oh, I got you, buddy. You think you're safe, but I'm going to wiggle my way in here, and I'm about to change your heart. And he uses us as those vessels to just completely wreck somebody's life like they're the Titanic. They're just going, and we just hit them like an iceberg, and they're just bloop, 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 sunk for God, filled with the Holy Spirit, completely and totally encapsulated in all that he has. 
See, Jesus did that. He set the time aside. He said, I'm lost in my Father, lost in all that, so that whenever people have a, a chance to see me, I can set the time aside for them to make a quality time impact. The next one, he listened intently. Jesus was always listening. I always think it's funny, they'll, they'll tell stories and they're like, the, the, the Pharisees or Sadducees will try to say something to the disciples. And somehow Jesus is over here doing ministry. Like Jesus is literally healing people, doing miracles. And they'll be like, hey, I heard what you said about that. Let me tell you something real quick. Like, I feel like he's a teacher. You ever had a teacher that had eyes in the back of their head and they could hear everything you said? Like that was Jesus. He always knew what was going on. He's never caught off guard. Like, I, I think so many times he did stuff just to be intentionality about it. Like, he's like, hey, guys, we're going to cross over. And I, I wonder if, like, the Holy Spirit's telling him, hey, there's going to be a storm that's going to happen on the lake. Go to sleep. Let's see what the disciples do. Like, I don't know about you, but apparently Jesus believed in naps. Apparently naps are spiritual. Okay? Some of you will agree. I don't. I'm not a nap taker. My wife's like, amen, Jesus. We're taking naps. Okay? The disciples are scared to death when then that storm's coming up, and Jesus is like, all right, guys, let me teach you again, you know? Because he was intentional about his training for the disciples, and he was intentional in the way he made impacts in people's lives. He would spend quality time with them in certain scenarios so that he could set up situations to make an impact in their life. It's crazy, crazy intentional. I never think that anything Jesus did was by happenstance. It wasn't that he was going through towns and doing things just like randomly, like, let's just see what happens today. I believe he was fully led by the Holy Spirit at all times. So intentional about it. How about this one? He looked for opportunities to connect. He was constantly looking for those opportunities to present themselves so that he could make the impact in people's lives. Constantly looking for the times when he could spend quality time with someone that he wanted to just pour all that he was into people to give them everything that he had so many times it, I don't know if y'all know this about like ministry and about serving like I, I'm sure some of the prayer team can testify to this like it's crazy to me that there's like no physical activity done in ministry sometimes that you're praying for somebody and you can feel so exhausted it's insane to me but then I think about it, and it's like you're connecting at such a level that's outside of the physical. Of course it's exhausting because you're pouring out of yourself of what you've been given, and you need to be replenished. You're spending this quality amount into someone else's life. You're connecting with them on a deeper level and changing their life. You're, just, you're, you're giving of yourself and out of the Holy Spirit. Or how about this one? He acted in the now and the next. Rewind to that, that story of Zacchaeus. Jesus is going through. He's, I'm sure he's headed somewhere to go do ministry, go do something. And he sees Zacchaeus, and he literally stops and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Right now, let's go. Like, imagine if the pastor did that. I'm standing up here, I'm preaching. Somebody walks in, and I'm like, hey, we're going to your house, let's go. Y'all figure it out. I mean, that's basically what Jesus does. He's just like, I know we're supposed to do something else, but Holy Spirit told me to go and be with that person right now. There's moments that happen like that. Jesus was all about acting on the now. How many times does somebody come up to us and they're like, hey, I got this, that going on, whatever, and we're like, all right, I'll pray for you. We don't pray for them right then. 
We try to put it in our mind registry, and we forget about it. Why don't we act then? Let me pray for you. It's fine to act later also, but let's act then. Let's have the faith to spend quality time with them right there and then. Put aside our agenda. Put aside our own narrative. Put aside our own needs. Isn't that what the, the story of Christ and what being a Christian is? Is your needs above mine. Then I'm going to put my neighbor before myself. Story of the Samaritan last week. That when we pass by and we see someone on the wayside, we're not like, mm, I ain't got time for you. I got to go do this. Don't want to get my clothes dirty. Got my J's on. They can't get messed up today. Don't want to crease them. I got to start walking like this, you know. Y'all ever seen kids doing that when they're wearing their J's because they don't want to crease them? I don't know about y'all, but I'm not buying $600 shoes and not worrying about them getting creased, okay? I like some nice shoes, but we're on a whole other tangent, okay? Let's jump back into this. So, so we've got to be worried about the lost the same way that we worry about our own healthy quality relationship time. They go hand in hand. If you're not mixing the two of them, you're not going to grow well as a Christian, so you worry about them right then, that's the compassion part. When you're moved to act right then. And you say, you know what? I'm so moved and I'm so worried about you that I'm going to keep following up. I'm going to keep coming back to you. My wife, we, we were raised drastically different. In my household, okay, birthdays are not very important. Just how it was, okay? My parents would be like, hey, you got 100 bucks? What do you want? Make a list, write out the top three things, and I'll buy one of them for you. That was your birthday. Zam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Get out of here. My wife is like, hey, it's my birthday week. We're going to celebrate. You're going to remember me. You're going to remember me that day. You're going to remember me three days before. You're going to remember me two days after. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It's just a difference of how she was raised, right? She's worried about the now, and she's worried about the next. She wants to be like, oh, thank you for entering the world, you know? Maybe I need to get that in my head better. Okay, because she's my better half. She's, she's awesome. I love my wife. I'm a better person for marrying her. All the men better say amen. Get some brownie points, okay? <laughs> We've got to be compassionate so that we act in the now and in the next. Okay? Spending quality time with Jesus is spending quality time with the lost. Let me, let me give you all a little demonstration here. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you haven't. We got our empty tote. Beautiful, wonderful, you know. Always good for you. I promise I won't throw these ping pong balls at you like Pastor Rife. Okay. Anybody get hit in the head? No. Sometimes you do illustrations and you think they're going to be wonderful. You think they're going to be great. They just don't turn out the way you think. But imagine this is you. Okay. And you got to spend quality time with Jesus. And when you first get saved, some things go away. But really, there's always things that are present in our lives, right? Things that we can improve on, things that we can get better at, things that we need help with. And when you start getting in the Word and you start praying, things start feeling a little wet, right? Like, hmm, that's kind of feeling good. You know, we went swimming the other day, and I was like, this water feels pretty good. It's warm outside. You get a little saturation in the Holy Spirit. But nothing's really changed, right? I still got the same amount of ping pong balls as I did before, the same amount of problems as I had before, the same amount of issues, same amount of spiritual discomfort. And then we get a little more. And they start to fall off. 
when we're spending quality time in the spirit, things begin to just naturally bubble out and off of us because he's filling us up with him. But think about that when you're reaching the lost. If we're the hands and feet and voice of God extended, this is your neighbor. This is a lost soul, and you're supposed to pour into their lives. So that the things that are not of God fall off of their lives, and they begin to see change. Change they're not even expecting. You've spent so much quality time pouring into them that they're like, hold on a second. I used to have an issue. Something's going on. Something's stirring inside me. Something's changing. I don't understand it. Like, you've been talking about this Jesus guy sometimes, and I need to figure out what's going on. You've been talking about this or that, and and for some reason, when I'm around you, I feel more joy in my life. Like, we're supposed to be contagious. We're supposed to be set apart so much different that the world is like, I don't know what is going on with that guy, but something, something he's got I want. Me and my wife have had this discussion. My brother and his wife, I love them. They're watching. I doubt they are, but I love them. But I've heard them literally say, I just don't understand why we have so much anxiety. I don't understand why our relationships, this, that, and the other. And me and my wife will look at each other, and I'm like, I'm so glad we don't deal with that because the Holy Spirit intercedes in our lives. That it brings peace in those situations. And they're not saying all your problems are just going to disappear overnight. But the more saturation of the quality time that you get with the Spirit and that you begin to push into someone else's lost life, the more those things that begin to just fall off, begin to just bubble out. It's amazing what quality time in the Word, in prayer, will do. It's amazing what quality time in someone's lost life will do for them to change their lives drastically, that we set aside the time, that we listen to them intently, that we begin to look for the opportunities where we can sneakily get into their lives with the Holy Spirit, that we begin to act in their lives right then and in every single phase. I'm so glad that all the mentors that I've had in my life that have poured into me, that I'm not the same man I was when I was 13 years old, stuck in a life, raised in church, stuck in a life where I was addicted to pornography, stuck in a lifestyle where I was stealing from my own parents' wallets, stuck in a lifestyle where I thought that I needed a girl on my shoulder to complete me. But because of someone pouring into my life quality time of the Spirit, that it began to change my perspective and change my lifestyle. Say this with me. Spend quality time with Jesus is to spend time with the lost. Jesus is going to be where the lost is. The Holy Spirit is going to be where the lost are. It's up to us whether we want to interact and get more quality time with him by spending time with them lost. It's up to us. We can sing Kumbaya and have us four and no more, or we can go out and we can make an impact. See, we're looking for opportunities to make an impact. We've been talking about in staff meetings and different stuff, like what are the things that we can do? Pastor Rife talked about last week, he was posting in the next door app, like where, what are the things? Where is Sister Susie or down the street who had a limb fall that she can't help herself, but that's something that we can do? Where are the the opportunities that we can have? 
I drove down the street the other day to the assisted living center down here. Hey, what's going on? I'm Pastor Wesley. You know, we're literally right here in your backyard almost just wondering how we can connect. They're like, oh, they'd love it if you came play bingo. Love it if you did this, that, and the other. I said, awesome, great, wonderful. I'm going to call you. I'm going to get back with you. We're going to set up times because I want to make an impact. I want to make an impact all the way from zero to 120 years old, wherever you fall on that spectrum. I don't think at any point you, God is done with you until you draw your last breath. That you have something to give to the kingdom of God. You see, there's four areas that we brought to you all at the beginning of the year that we want to make an impact in. Souls, we want to reach the lost. The suffering, the hurt, the addicted, the, the misconstrued, the people who have mental illnesses, okay, the whatever it may be, that they are suffering in any way. Schools and cities, our city of Daphne. And we've been striving to make those things happen. There's, there's been some crazy events that like you wouldn't even think are ways for us to connect. I was telling some of the youth about this. I'm literally you know, doing stuff at my house on my off day and I get a call and it's like, hey, somebody drove through the front bushes at the church. I'm like, oh man, I got to come up there. I got to review the film. I got to call the principal. I got to figure out what's going on. You know? And through different connections, okay, because I've been looking for this opportunity for me to have an in at Daphne High School. But I didn't really have a reason to call Principal Comer over there. But now all of a sudden, because of a bad incident, i got a reason to talk to him. And because of that, we not only resolved that issue, but I've got time and a, a space that we've set up to have meetings to deal with things around here, dealing with our property lines that are shared, and dealing with how we can connect with Daphne High School. Something that the enemy's like, ha, I got you, messed up your bushes, caused some damage. And I'm like, ha, ha, Jesus got you because he just set up an appointment that's divinely going to impact students' lives. Because my God makes all things work together for the good. I ain't worried about it. Bring it on, devil. Try and slap me again. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to charge hell with water pistols. Y'all think, think I'm crazy. I'd do it. Hey, like, I'm crazy sometimes. Y'all may not believe it. Like, I'm pretty melancholy. But, like, you give me a monster drink and get some hype in me, and we're about to throw down, okay? <laughs> like, it's, it's going down. I want to make an impact in all those areas. And I want y'all to join us. I want us as a church to begin to speak into the areas that I know God has called us for this year. I don't know when the time frames, I don't know when all these things are going to happen, but I do know this. The Lord says, prophesy to these dry bones in Ezekiel. Prophesy to them. Y'all ever seen some dry bones? I've seen bones, okay? There ain't no way they're moving by themselves. But the Lord says when we begin to prophesy to those situations, we begin to prophesy into those areas that he can make the dead come back to life, the joints and the bone marrow and all the tendons and the flesh and even the breath of life begin to breathe back into those situations. Lord, we're breathing life in areas we thought were dead and desolate. Lord, we're calling forth on the city 
of Daphne and Spanish Fort and Robertsdale and the surrounding area of Baldwin counties. We're saying, Lord, we're going to have impact opportunities. Lord, we're saying our schools around here, they're no longer going to be places where we say they're just desolate or they're lost or this generation of, of coming up is confused, Lord. But we're going to say that this church is going to be the hands and feet extended that make an impact in those areas. God, we're going to find out those who are suffering and we're going to be able to help them out. That we're going to extend the hands and feet and the grace of God. That we're going to give them a cold cup of water in your name. That their lives going to be changed physically. That we're going to touch their physical needs. We're going to touch their emotional needs, their mental needs. And we're going to touch them spiritually, God. That you're going to have encounters set up for us divine appointments. Mm. Souls are going to call in. We call from the north, the south, the east, the west. We say, give up the gates. We say, enemy, you have no place. We push them down. And instead, we call them in. You said, Lord, that the fields are ripe and white and ready, but the laborers are few. God, we say right now, we call in laborers, that the harvest is coming in. Y'all know what I'm saying? We're going to prophesy to the areas. I'm not just going to do mamsy pamsy prayers anymore. Oh, Lord, please, if it's your will. It's his will that the lost should be saved. He's willing that none should perish. I'm going to do my part. Whether you want to come on this train and go with me, that's up to you. But we're not stopping short. We're not stopping at any designated place. We're saying, Lord, we're going all the way. Till either you come back or I don't have any breath left in my lungs. I'm going all the way. I'm going to make an impact. There, let's activate and apply this. How do we become a doer of this process we call quality time? First thing, you got to take a risk. I am not, in my like natural nature, I am not a type A personality. I am not going to be, when I see you coming through the doors and I don't know you, come up to you and be like, hi, my name's Pastor Wesley. It's so glad you're here today. Blah, 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 blah. That's not me. I'm not warm and bubbly by natural, okay? If you see me doing that, I am working on it. I am like pushing myself to do that, okay? I am naturally like want to be an introvert. I want to sit in my corner and play my video game and eat my, you know, bonbons and be by myself, okay? That's just who I was born as natural, Okay? But we got to take a risk to spend quality time with people. Here's the thing about quality time. You never know if it's really going to pay off, right? I've spent quality time with people and be like, man, we are on such good terms. And the next week, they ghosted me. I'm calling them. I'm texting them. And they ain't nowhere to be found. And then I see them at Walmart. And they're like, they'll turn that cart so quick. And I'm like, like, what do you do with that? Are you supposed to chase them down? Or does that turn them off more? Like, I really, honestly, this is a question I don't know the answer to. Like, you're, you're taking a risk anytime you decide to spend quality time with someone because you're investing in them. Like, you're pouring out your life and you're hoping it's reciprocated. We need to risk that quality time with someone we don't know or we wouldn't normally spend time with. I told you, we all connect with people on different levels and there's some people I just connect with naturally easier. Like, you want to talk about certain things? You want to talk about disc golf? Let's go. I was talking about a guy that's, you know, one of the assistant coaches of my kid's t-ball team the other day. He's like, yeah, man, I play disc golf. And I was like, awesome, let's go play sometime. Oh, you live in Lake Forest. I just moved into Lake Forest. Let's go play at the course. You know, like, I made these connection points. But if he had started talking about something else, I don't know if I'd have connected as well. If he was like, hey, man, I really like to, like, okay, turkey hunt. I don't connect with turkey hunting. I got friends at turkey hunting, and I'm like, I am not spending $5,000 to drive to Nevada to shoot one turkey. 
If that's your thing, go for it, okay? That ain't my thing. Like, if I'm driving that far to shoot something, it better be a bull moose that I'm getting a 1,000 pounds of meat out of, okay? Like, it's, it's it, but I still find those connection points because I'm like, hey, you're a hunter. I get that. I understand some of that. My family is into guns. Like, y'all think Pastor Rife's family's into guns? I know he's told y'all before that, like, he grew up and there was a, a, you know, gun rack between their beds. Like, we didn't grow up quite like that. But, like, my brother and my dad, if war ever breaks out or there's some people coming in here, like, I know where I'm going. My brother's got 20,000 SKS rounds. You know, he's got, you know, my, my dad's got a reloading system. We go over there and we reload shotgun shells so we can shoot clay pigeons for free, basically. Like, I know where the guns and the ammunition are. We deep southern good boys, like good old country boys. Borderline redneck, I'm not sure, okay? But we're also, like, weird mixed. Like, I got this city slicker side, you know? Like, my family is so mixed and mixed up and confused. Like, I don't even know what we are anymore. We're so blended. I got a cousin that's African-American. I've got two adopted Chinese sisters. I've got, you know, I'm like, man, I'm all the children of the world. Jesus loves my whole family. We got it all going on. You know? That's why I don't see through people through these lenses anymore of perspective that I had as a younger age. Because there is some of that that happens, and it's hard to get past those is it okay if, like, as Pastor Rife says, I get on a little soapbox for a second right here? Like, you ever look at certain people and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to connect with them. I ain't got nothing in common with them. I didn't grow up like them. Like, there's different phases in my life that I've gone through that I connect people better. Like, I used to be poor, poor. Like, y'all want to know how poor I was? You know how I knew there wasn't a Santa Claus? Because we couldn't afford presents one year. I was five years old. My parents sat me down and said, hey, there's no Santa Claus. This is why you're not getting gifts. That's how I found out. That's how poor we were. We ate rice and beans for a year. The only time we had meat is if my dad shot a deer. But now my dad's got more money than he knows what to do with. Not gloating on him or doing anything like this because he'll tell you the same thing. When he gets his tax return, he says, it ain't my money. He just gives it to the church. Because he knows that he's blessed. The only reason he's in those scenarios and in those circles and in those areas of a blessed life is because of the way he's lived his life through Christ. He set up such a godly example for me. He's made such a huge impact in my life. The quality time that my dad spent with me as a child, taking me hunting, taking me fishing, doing this and that and the other, investing in my life is what retained me in so many ways. And when we begin to do that for the lost, they see that effort, that quality that we're willing to give of our own time, our own selves because we see the same value that Christ saw in people in the same way that God sees people. It changes hearts. It breaks down barriers. It removes anything that we can't necessarily connect on just because we have a heart that we want to. The want to will way outpower the ability to your intention or your desire to spend quality time with someone will go way beyond your ability just to naturally connect with them. The last thing here says create or participate in impact opportunities of quality time in the community. We want every single one of us to be involved in this community. We live here. I mean, gone are the days, it feels like sometimes to me. 
Like I go back and I watch like, you know, Leave it to Beaver or whatever it may be. Some of those shows my dad let me watch when I was a kid. And I'm like, man, they knew everybody. Like they knew their neighbors. You know, statistics tell you most people know their neighbor's dog's name, but they don't know their neighbor's name. And I don't know if that's because they're screaming at their dog or what, what's going on there. But isn't that sad? That the person who lives next door, we don't know. That we can't be bothered enough to go out of our way to connect with them. I know that's nobody in this house. Come on now, we're preaching to somebody else, Pastor Wesley. Where is the, the quality time of just wanting to connect with people? And just say, you know, let me share. Come and see, come and experience. That's all Jesus ever really did. He was like, hey, come on, come check it out. Just come and see. Come see if what I have is not good. Taste and see. So we're creating, okay? We're, we're formulating as a team here at Destiny Church a plan for us to have opportunities. Because here's the thing. We all have a chance individually, right? You go to the store whenever you, you know, you're doing whatever it is. You're, you're jogging down the sidewalk. You have opportunities that present themselves individually. But we also want to create opportunities as a community, as a church. We want Destiny Church to be so ingrained in this community when people talk about something, they're like, Destiny Church was involved with that. That if Destiny Church did not exist anymore, it would be so, lack of better words, just devastating to the community because we had that much impact. That's what we want. For people to say, you know what, they're awesome. We, if they never even grace these doors, if they go to a different church even, just for them to say, you know what, they care about their community. They impact their community. And we want you also, okay? This is, this is the homework time. Like, I never liked homework. I don't agree with homework, okay? All my youth students will, will, will agree. They'll be like, heck yeah, no homework, okay? Like, if you can't teach me what I need to know when I'm at school, then why am I going home and learning it? But there is always this follow-up phase of practicality, of, of re, you know, reassuring that and reconfirming it. And, you know, it, it takes some of us a little while. You know, certain things I take a while to learn. Okay, my wife's still trying to train me. But come to us if you see opportunities. We want to partner with the people in this church because you see things too. You have areas of influence, areas of impact that I can't go to or I may not know about because it's just outside of my wheelhouse. That's the things that we want to do so that every single one of us is linked arm to arm like a giant net. Y'all know the scripture when it talks about Jesus said, all right, throw the net right over there. And when they did, they threw it over and they couldn't even bring in the load. They had to call other boats over to their side. Imagine if we had such a harvest of souls. They were like, hey, City Hope, we got too many people. Y'all got to take some of them. Hey, you know, whoever it may be, like, I want every church to be filled to capacity. I want this church to be, but come on, I want every church. I mean, let's be honest. We're all in this together. We're supposed to be one big team, right? The church. The church. I get so tired of Christians bickering among themselves. I'm like, come on. Why are you a left foot Baptist and a right foot Baptist? Which foot does it matter if Jesus washed which one first? And that's, that may be a little overly silly, but there's been church splits over that. Come on now. Let's get tied up in the real things of God. Let's get tied up in the things that we want to make an impact in and really go after God. So today, 
Here's my challenge to you. Look for those opportunities. Bring them up. Spend quality time with the lost. Do it. Go out of these places and spend quality time.